Chris, welcome to episode 349 of X-Lapsed, where, as I record this, it is dreadfully, dreadfully early. Um, today is, uh, like that day. Uh, while I was sick, I had a whole bunch of stuff scheduled, stuff I was supposed to be attending to, and, um, turns out that while I'm sick, I pay even less attention to the calendar than I do when I'm not sick, so rescheduled a bunch of stuff, and it all seems to fall on today. Which is not ideal, I tell you what uh, In addition to my regular day um, We are also doing an episode of uh, Weird Dose of X uh, We're doing a recording for that today I got a dentist appointment, we're closing on a house it's, uh, it's a busy day So I wanted to do my best to get this episode out So we can get to 350 just as quick as possible So um, here we are, it's still dark out I'm exhausted. My voice is even worse than usual, but uh, hey, you know we do what we can in the <laughs> in the best way possible. Uh, today we're heading back to the alleged flagship book. We're going to be taking a look at X Men Volume Six, Number Ten. That's had a June 2022 cover date. The story is called Sisterhood of the Metal Bones, written by Jerry Duggan with art by Javier Pe- Javier Pina Pina. Pina. I, I don't. I, I can't put a little tilde on the end. I don't know how to do that. So maybe there's a tilde. Maybe there ain't. Colors: Marty Gracia. Letters: VCs Clayton Cowles. Designs: Muller and Bowen. Edits: Amaro White Sabolski. Cover price: four dollars. This one went on sale April thirteenth of twenty twenty two. Now our cover. It's a X twenty three and Wolverine uh, facing off with. Um, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be a surprise, but it is obviously. Lady Deathstrike, and, uh, yeah, you're, you're okay to yawn now, I know I did when I first saw it. Now, we open the issue with Laura being resurrected, uh, probably after her time in the vault. Now, it feels like this scene here is being jammed in simply to correct an error in which she was resurrected with her adamantium skeleton. Now, it's explained that Proteus simply assumed that all Wolverines and Wolverine-alikes had metal bones and just resurrected her with them. I didn't realize that this was within his power set, but in fairness, I guess I didn't know it wasn't either. Though if it is, uh, makes you wonder what the point of that, uh, like, vat of liquid adamantium forge has in the armory is all about. Why that would be even required if uh, Proteus could just do the thing whenever he feels like doing it. Um, I also don't really like how this is treated as, like, a funny haha. Like, I think he actually says something like, my bad. You know, and it's, you know, we talk about, like, Quentin Quire's many deaths, and how he always has these, like, weird little, you know, cosmetic requests. 
and we can talk about things a little bit more um a little bit more vital to personalities than that like uh you know domino wanting to be brought back with all of her trauma and uh and her not being brought back with her trauma and here we have something different of course uh you know x23 wolverine laura being brought back uh with adamantium bones when her natural state i suppose is uh is not i don't know like i said it's played as a funny haha it's a duggan book it's kind of kind of the way these things go nowadays. Anyway, from here we shift up to Mars Araco, where Rogue is decked out on a grassy knoll with a rifle. Only it's not a rifle. It's just a scanner that looks a lot like a rifle. For whatever reason. Uh, now, she is scanning the newly occupied moon of Mars, Phobos, where Phalong and Orcus have set up camp. Next stop, the treehouse. The X-Men discuss this Phobos scan, and we learn that there's a uh, teleportation gate up there, and that Orcus has, uh, well, not so much terraformed the planet, but at least made it livable for humans, you know, breathable oxygen, stuff like that, little domes. Uh, we're also reminded that Nightcrawler's corpse is part of the Phobos decor. Now, if you remember, Nightcrawler perished back in Way of X number 5 when Phobos kind of fell out of orbit, and threatened to smash into Mars Araco, and we discussed this one back in episode 248. Now, X-23 notes that there's a bunch of adamantium up there as well in the scan. Now, it's explained that Logan left a bunch of skeletons laying around, as revealed during Inferno, and they, too, are now part of Phalong's decor. Only, well, it's not all Logan's. There, there also seems to be some adamantium that appears to be part of a currently living organism. Laura raises her cowl and goes to leave to check it out, and Jean tries to stop her, but Laura dares her to try. From here, double-page spread of Roll Call and Cred, our characters include Laura, X-23, Wolverine, Rogue, Gambit, Marvel Girl, Sink, Sunfire, Captain Krakoa, Destiny, and Fei Long. Back to comics. And we're up on Phobos with Laura. Now, uh, she's got a bunch of internal monologue about how she's seen as the lesser Wolverine. Which, I mean... Come on, do we need this? Do we really need this? I mean, it, maybe change your code name if you don't want to invite the comparison. You know, um, you, you know, it's just like Laura did during Fallen Angels. You know that that book that only we read. Um, you know, where she said she didn't want to be the other Wolverine anymore. And again, I, I guess I'm the only idiot who read and has the misfortune of remembering that. Anyway. Fei Long is hosting a field trip of Chinese students before sending them back planetside. We follow Laura around the station until she happens across... Duh, Lady Deathstrike. Now they fight for a bit, because of course they do. Laura delivers a talony dropkick, which puts LD at a commission. Deathstrike explains that she sought out Orcus to help her when the adamantium in her body started to poison her. And Laura offers her help. Just then, Fei Long returns to his office to fetch his glasses, and he discovers uh, via monitors that Laura is there. He opens a vent in the ceiling to suck she and Lady Deathstrike out into the vacuum of space. Laura, at this point, frantically calls into the treehouse, and they send Rogue in for an insta-rescue. And I mean, it's an instant rescue. I mean, she, like, bebops from the treehouse to Krakoa, through Araco, and finally zips over to save the day. It's like, in a in a flash. And I haven't, I haven't mentioned this yet, but uh, I guess this issue's bit of bwahaha is that the X-Men all bet on how long it would take for Laura to get discovered on the, uh, on the satellite or in, in the station. 
And uh, Polaris apparently won the pot Not that anybody cares Nor finds any of this funny uh, Back to the treehouse And, uh, you know, just when I'm about to breathe a sigh of relief That we haven't gotten our regular Hellfire Gala flashback Well, we get our regular Hellfire Gala flashback um, In a very stilted, very, very stilted and awkward way uh, Cyclops actually, like, walks over to Laura and says Hey, what were you thinking during the fake-ass vote? You know, try to try to remember what you were thinking Which... Okay um, Now, also, uh, Cyclops here uh, Even though he was wearing his Captain Krakoa togs like three pages ago He's now back in his regular Cyclops gear Not sure why, I doubt it matters But, uh, I don't know Anyway, Sink approaches with Chinese food and he says something about ignoring Rogue and Destiny Who are having a chat over by a gateway And I thought for a moment That they were trying to lampshade the fact That this entire volume has ignored Rogue for the most part In fact, maybe, maybe it is Anyway, Lady Deathstrike After a Wolverine blood transfusion Recovers and leaves Outside, Rogue and Destiny are arguing About how the X-Men operate And also a little bit more about how Rogue Is still married to Gambit Irene warns Rogue to ask about her husband's <clears throat> small blind mm, on Game World, and I'm not sure if that's a euphemism or an actual clue. I really don't care either way. In any event, the next thing we know, Rogue is interrupting one of Ben Grimm's poker games to fetch her man. And also, uh, uh, Forge is here. Forge is here playing cards, despite having had his head exploded by the hentai helmet over an X-Force. Anyway, we keep on with Mr. and Mrs. X as Rogue calls Rocket Raccoon for some of the skinny on Game World. Now, when she gets a hold of him, she calls him Sugar, which appears to really bother Gambit for some reason. But, I mean, it must be a really, really horrible uh, existence for Gambit, because is there anybody on the planet who she hasn't called Sugar? I, I don't know. Anyway, Rocket is in the middle of some sort of high-stakes gambling situation, and while feigning ignorance about all of it, still asks what Rogue wants to know. This takes us to the end, and of course it's an info page because we weren't getting through an entire issue without one of those, right? Uh, it's an email to Fei Long and Dr. Stasis from an M, probably not Monet, about helping out with their cause. I mean, it's obviously more McTaggart, but uh, that's where we leave it. Next time out, the big 350, and um, as turns out to be the case more often than not, anytime we have an anniversary episode or a milestone episode... It's going to be about Wolverine. So it is a Wolverine, I believe, number 20. It's the start of his little uh, arc with Deadpool. So we'll cover that next time. But for now, well, let's, uh, let's get what we can get out of this. Um, my main takeaway here is, uh, you know, Orcus is supposed to be like this, I don't know, organization, right? They're supposed to be organized. They're supposed to have, like... They've got the departments here, they've got heads They 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 seem to be, I don't know, a little less sloppy than they're being portrayed here I mean, Orcus's security is like non-existent, right? I mean, the X-Men can just come and go on Phobos as they, as they, as they please it's, yeah, it's a really good thing that Laura didn't run into Abigail Brand while she was up there Otherwise, I mean, that whole storyline would be shot Not that any of these writers are actually... You know, uh, communicating with one another And also, you know, Rogue had that stupid rifle how, how come that didn't sus brand out? Like, are we just scanning for adamantium and nightcrawler corpses? What, what's going on? 
Maybe I'm thinking too hard. I don't know. You know, what this book comes down to, and I mean, uh, I'm a broken record, but hopefully I'm one of your favorite broken records. Um, (laughs) This book has no identity. It's got no soul. It's got no heart. It's got no real reason to exist, especially in light of books like Red and Immortal, right? What is the point of this adjectiveless flagship? There isn't one. There really, really isn't one. And like I've been saying since this book launched, it is uh, certainly a victim of poor timing, right? But even given that as a primary reason for why this book just doesn't seem to be doing anything, it's been a year, and we still have no direction, right? Uh, Even if this book was born out of... uh, I don't know, um, editorial fiefdom usurping, you know, like uh, Hickman leaving, people shuffling around, trying to fill seats, changing directions of stories, ending certain stories, starting different stories up when they weren't ready to be started up yet, uh, you know, delaying books, rushing books. It's, it's been kind of a mess for this, you know, already bloated line of books here. And of course, I'm just some idiot on the outside, so I don't know the the finer points, and I could be completely speaking out of turn here. It's uh, it's likely that I am, but uh, that's the, <laughs> I think, blaming the timing is probably the kindest and most polite thing I can do, because if it's not a matter of timing, it's a matter of just uh, the creative team not caring or not having the ability to make this a, a readable or a readable with purpose sort of book. Um... You know, the only interesting bits from this volume have been relegated to barely touched-upon subplots. And it's all in service of waiting for the next friggin' Hellfire Gala to shake things up again. You know, this book has no identity, this team has no identity, and we're already shaking things up. Why? You know, uh, Cyclops being Captain Krakoa. Now, this is the thing that they were, like, leading with in the previews. It's like, this is, you know, this is going to be a pretty big deal. It's been barely touched on. It's been treated as an annoyance. It's like, oh, I gotta change into costume again. Oh, hey, Scott, don't forget to change into costume. Oh, Scott, you're still wearing your visor. It's it's not satisfying. You know, um, Ben Urich's mind wipe. That was... That should have been more important. It, now it's just a thing that happened. You know, Sink is barely dealing with any guilt about it. He had one conversation with Cyclops. And, and I mean... Like, I, like I've been doing since this book started, I compare it to the Grant Morrison Justice League, or the JLA, where, you know, it wasn't very heavy on character. It was heavy on moments and uh, grand-scale sort of stuff, where it, I think you need both. Especially with a book like the X-Men, who, I mean, they're always portrayed as being this, like, family, this soap opera family, where the JLA are kind of just co-workers, Right? It's like, ah, Superman and Green Lantern are working together because they're just working together. It's just, it's going to work best if they're together. It's not because there's any sort of affection there or kinship. It's just, oh, well, <laughs> the writer just wanted to wanted to put some yellow in the book and we needed a guy who was afraid of yellow. But here, it should be more than that, you know? And it just, it doesn't, it feels like a book full of strangers, um, you know, Cordycep Jones uh, brought in as a big bad, 
Hasn't been seen again. He, he will be, I'm sure, since we're going back to game world, but it's taken us a year to get there. Uh, Sink and Laura's relationship from back in the vault, barely mentioned. They mentioned it, it's just subplot. And it's not even like subplot that you get the impression that they're going to address. It's just like, oh yeah, by the way, this happened, maybe. And it just, it feels, it just feels very disconnected from what, uh, and, and maybe it's unfair, because it's, it's disconnected from my expectation, is basically the thing here. A, a flagship book, a book with X-Men in, as the title, should feel more like an X-Men book. And it's a weird complaint to make, since the book is full of X-Men. It's full of people with X's on their costume, but it just doesn't feel like it. Um, finally, Rogue and Sunfire. Rogue, of course, is, you know, basically X-Men royalty, right? She's been a part of the team, a huge part of the team, for decades now. For most of the uh, most of the time the book's been around. And she's barely even mentioned here. You know, um, Polaris, uh, not to jump into a different person here, but Polaris is brought in with pomp and circumstance as part of this, uh, this phony vote. And what has she done besides drink a cup of coffee and make some snarky remarks? Nothing. Sunfire, probably the blankest slate of this team, right? He's a part of the giant size team, part of the Krakoa team. Here we have an opportunity to do something with him. And they don't. Like, Sunfire's only scenes to this point have been him building a house, or having a barbecue and building a house on Mars. And with, with talk of him leaving the team again. What was the point? I could go on, but that would be, well, even more babbling than what I'm currently <laughs> engaging in. But, uh, of course, these are all just my opinions. Uh, when a book doesn't meet my expectations, I'm going to tell you. And I'm not going to uh, sugarcoat anything, and I'm not, I'm not trying to get onto Jerry Duggan's Christmas card list, is the thing. If I like something he wrote, I'm going to tell you. If I don't, I'm also going to tell you. It's uh, just one of the things that makes this show a little bit unique <laughs> in the... Uh, in the you know wide array of people shouting into the void, I'm not looking for anything from Marvel. I'm not looking for a retweet from Jerry Duggan. So um, here we be. What I do want is your thoughts. Of course, these are all just my opinions. I want to hear your opinions. I value yours far more than my own. So I'll give you the contact information at the end here. But that's you know what this show was born out of. Um, X lapsed. As we started it, uh, before uh, I kind of went off my nut, uh, was a very interactive program. Uh, a lot of folks writing in, a lot of uh, opinions and points of view taken. And uh, that's what I feel made this show work um, at its best. So, again, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this book. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this issue, all the points uh, that I raised, valid or not. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts, but that'll do it for our uh for our analysis on uh, X-Men number 10 uh, Before we go to the outro here I did get a message from uh, my Weird Dose of X partner, Jason uh, I'd asked the question uh, Two or so episodes ago When we did Knights of X number one And I mentioned that I'd heard that there were rumors That it was a five-issue miniseries And indeed, it is But it's one of those uh, good news, bad news things um, This comes from uh, Teeny Howard's uh, What is it, Substack? I, 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 is that what all the all the creators were running off to When they were leaving the books? Is that what it was? 
I don't know what it is, but um, I do have a cut and paste here to read for you. <laughs> Teeny says, so I'll tell you, Knights number five is the last issue of that book, but we're not done. We're about to take Betsy on maybe her greatest ride yet, and some very special people close to her are coming along too. But to do it the way we wanted involved a big ol' exciting pivot. Our Captain Britain isn't going away, and I'm not done telling stories with her. And thankfully, Betsy and I seem to be permitted to still do so. We're happy about it. Thanks for coming. Sorry for the stress. Issue number four is big. You'll love it. And Bob just turned in what might be the spread of his career for issue number five. We love this book. Well, I don't love this book. Um, but I do love Bob Quinn. So I'm sure he turned in some amazing work. He always turns in some amazing work. I'm going to choose to be optimistic about this. Because um, early on in our Excalibur run, we did get that brief respite from Otherworld. You know, it was a silly two-parter where they went werewolf hunting on Cullen Bloodstone's lawn, right? But I enjoyed that. I think Teeny Howard is a really good voice for character. I think uh, the low-key, quiet sort of stories uh, are going to be more to her forte, at least from the limited experience I have with her work, because I did enjoy that. I enjoyed seeing Rogue and Betsy, uh, you know, talking and chatting and having, you know, catching up in a way and... Acting as though they were interested in each other's lives Whereas when we're in Otherworld Well, that just sucks um, So hopefully Hopefully, you know, Knights of X This five-issue series will be Otherworld We'll get Otherworld out of the way And then in whatever of X that follows up Maybe we won't be in Otherworld Maybe that's the big old exciting pivot Maybe we're going to go back to Earth <laughs> And uh, I'm going to be optimistic and, and keep my fingers crossed And hope that that is the case but I'm pretty sure that's all I have to say today. Uh, if anybody out there would like to share their thoughts on anything, anything in the world, the weather, the books, whatever you want, please feel free to write in. You can find me several different ways. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics, uh, Instagram, 90sXmen. You can send an email to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com or call into the X-Laps voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK. For blog posts and show notes, Chris is on infiniteearths.com. The uh, Facebook group, 90sXmen. Of course, the audio archives are available anywhere, or you can just go directly to chrisandreggie.podbean.com. But I think that's about all I got for today. I didn't know I'd get this one in, and I'm, I'm glad that we did. So uh, I'd like to thank you all so much for choosing to spend some of your day with me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya. Oh